Hey. All right, I think we are rolling now. Sweet. So I'm joined by Cole this evening. Back Go ahead now. and say hi. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> so what have you been up to? I guess it's going to be kind of as much as I hate talking about whatever is going on. So like right now, like I feel like that's the only thing that people are talking about. I also feel like you can't really avoid it. So, how yeah, you- it, it is an unavoidable thing, unfortunately. Actually, life has not been that bad, all things considered, in Ohio. We're actually uh, very lucky. If you look at our counterparts to the north, Michigan, they are not so lucky as yep. of right now. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, there's probably a lot of factors that kind of go into that. Um, I don't know. It's interesting to theorize, but I guess I'm not really sure. I'd I'd have to think that Detroit being kind of a larger international airport probably didn't help them out too much. No, I don't think so. And I also, uh, their government as a state was kind of uh, slow to act. When it came to shutting things down, in Ohio, uh, Mike DeWine he acted very quickly. At the time, I thought it was an absolute just knee-jerk reaction and an overreaction. But uh, if you look at Ohio's numbers and uh, the curve, so to say, mm-hmm. it's it's doing very well compared to a lot of the states, and especially how close we are to Chicago, Detroit, uh, New York. Uh, we're we're in a pretty good spot, and our government in the state did a really good job, I believe. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Cause it's like, you'll never be able to know what would have been <laughs> had it gone the other way, I guess. Exactly. You, you're probably best to err on the side of caution as much as I really kind of hate, um, the stay at home orders shelter at home order. But yeah, I don't. I mean, if you're a governor and you're in that position, I don't really. It'd be very difficult to act otherwise. Oh, absolutely. And uh, for some places, you think uh, New York, um, New Jersey, L.A., like western side of California. What happened there is probably inevitable. If you think of the way they live, um, just their. Like, if you get an apartment in New York City, I mean, they're on top of each other, basically. Mm-hmm. And that Obviously, when you have a disease that they say is as contagious as it is, right? it's going to spread. I mean, <laughs> staying at home in a apartment there, I don't know if it – it's really hard to say how well this thing travels, but you could almost think – hell, you could be circulating it <laughs> through your apartments in there. Exactly. I think in the beginning stages of this, when uh, they had all these people on cruise ships, one of the worst things they did was keep those people on those cruise ships instead of just landing them. Because that air and those cabins on that cruise ship would just get circulated within everybody. Right. uh, Well, you're stuck then. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. And I I don't know. I mean, we start to get a bigger picture, but I just – well, there's really not any great – there's not – enough or uh well there's almost too much information but it's not easily decipherable i guess but it's, i think it's where i no where i was going was this thing could have been here pretty pretty early like several months ago yeah i read an article online just a couple of days ago it's an article out of california and it said we're perhaps dealing with a virus that has been in the u.s since late or early the late december mm-hmm. and it's like well Duh, obviously. I mean, even this year alone, working in healthcare, we saw a lot of people with flu-like illnesses that didn't test positive for the flu, fever, lower respiratory symptoms, that kind of thing. And we just Mm kind of, yeah, well, you're fine. Go home. Every now and then they'd be sick enough to admit, but that goes back to those predisposing factors. Usually those ones are older people. They had uh, chronic health conditions. So I do think come full circle i do think that it was it has been around for longer than january though yeah yeah which is i don't it's interesting to think 
Well, and then you have everybody saying, well, I was sick back in whenever. I mean, oh, I probably had it, but <laughs> that's probably we'll, not the best game to play. We'll never be able to tell. Right. That's the worst thing about all this is that we'll never be able to know. Well, if we didn't shelter at home, how bad would it be? We wouldn't know. We don't know if it's been around since December. Who mm-hmm. knows? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the, the thing about this is really nobody knows. Like, even the people that you look to as maybe the experts and the subject matter really don't have a great idea of what's going on. And that's the worst part, and that's, I think, what's causing a lot of uh, anxiety is the unknown when you have a disease like this because modern medicine, you're supposed to know everything and know it pretty quickly, but right. there's still a lot of test and trial and error going around out there. So what, I mean, I guess I don't know how, how much you can speak to this, but in your profession, in the hospitals, have you seen much uh, change in how you guys are kind of conducting yourself? Or what's your, like, if you can outline just a general um, approach you guys have taken to it? So when this first started, um, I'd say probably the beginning of February, geez, it's already April, it seems like this hasn't been going on that long, but it has, um, we started to kind of gear up and the, the incident command system in the hospital came into play which is what happens when there's like a disaster which is this this, this is considered a disaster so uh, the biggest change for us is that we're wearing ppe at all times and the mm. ppe has changed like the weather i mean the cdc the hospitals and all hospitals are following guidelines from their state's department of health and the cdc and the mm-hmm. CDC is kind of changing what they're recommending based upon the severity of this disease and also the availability of PPE. So initially, we were wearing N95 respirators for all patients that we thought might have the coronavirus. Okay. But we started to just blow through N95s at that point because the coronavirus so, isn't the only thing that's going to cause a fever. There's a lot of things that can cause a fever. Right. So with, with those, um, what's the sanitization protocol? Or I, I assume those are those are reusable, correct? Initially, like, before the coronavirus, they were a one-time use. You, really? The only re- time we ever really used them was for uh, tuberculosis patients. So mm-hmm. in two and a half years as a nurse, I've never used one until this year. So okay. um, the, Senate, the CDC's protocol is you use them for five different patients. Mm. So, uh, and you keep the mask in a brown bag. And after that fifth one, they can be sanitized. And Ohio is lucky enough to have a company that is sanitizing them. Is that Battelle? Yeah, Battelle. I couldn't think of the name, but thank you. Okay. Um, and they can be used, after they're sanitized, they can be used five more times, and then it has to be uh, thrown away. Okay. So that's, I guess I didn't realize that they were that disposable. I thought they were more of a longer-term thing. Unfortunately, they're not. Um, mm-hmm. But thankfully, in Ohio and in Hancock County, I haven't had to use my N95 in a couple of days. Actually, I used it once this week. Um, so I've used it three times since I've uh, had to get a new one. But mm-hmm. I kind of so, feel like a gangster because i got to put a tally on it every time I use a new patient. <laughs> <laughs> like my kill count. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, that's not that bad. Um, <laughs> but so has have have they shut down all um, elective surgeries and like non? Yes, um, I'd say they're probably doing three to four surgeries a day, and they're usually considered somewhat emergent. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not doing elective heart catheterizations. They're not doing elective endoscopy procedures, so colonoscopies and EGDs. Pretty much everything elective is shut down. Yeah, uh, it's basically we're not allowing any visitors in the hospital either. Uh, it's kind of like a ghost town there now. It's weird. Yeah, that is a strange. That's a strange thing. So is that um, primarily because there's an increased uh, risk of infection being at the hospital, or is it because of? you don't have enough staff or a little bit of both or what's kind of the reasoning behind that? The driving factor behind that is now that we know the disease is in the community and it's in pretty much every single community, it's considered community spread. 
So we don't know who's carrying it and who's not carrying it at the time. So say you have a doctor's office open and you're allowing patients in. Um, these patients could be carrying the disease and we don't know that. And they come into the doctor's office, <coughs> they cough once, the disease is spread, and it could be transmitted just as easy as that. So right. it's the kind of it's the fear of transmission and also reducing the spread, basically. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you, you probably have to operate on that. Um, do you have any ideas on when you think we'll uh, open back up? I think it's going to be a, a slow, gradual reopening. I mean, it has to be at this point. If you look at Ohio alone, the curve is flat in Ohio. There's no, uh, there's no way that they can say it's not. If you look at the numbers, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's flat in Ohio. Um, I think they're Ohio's averaging like maybe two to four hundred new cases a day, which is not a lot, all things considered. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be a gradual reopening. If I had to guess, I would say by the beginning of May, we're going to kind of start to see the Ohio economy start to start to open back up. Right. I I mean, I'm of the opinion that you have you we really need to start opening back up. I I don't know. It's a it's a really hard thing to work out, I guess. From but for me, the numbers of some of this never quite made complete sense. I guess, um, like when I, you put them in I, perspective I with certain things. Absolutely, I agree. Um, I'm looking at the numbers right now. I get a lot of my data. John Hopkins University has a great coronavirus map. Um, it goes, it's like worldwide, shows the numbers, cases by yeah. county. And deaths, and uh, if you look at New York City, as of right now, there's only 7,905 deaths. Um, I saw and, a statistic. And that is the absolute worst place in the U.S. That's like 25% plus of the cases in the United States. Absolutely. Um, and just kind of a sobering number here. Ohio's tested uh, almost just a touch under 68,000 people, and we have... 6,500 confirmed cases, so that's not a lot for the amount of people tested. No. Uh, but back to the numbers, uh, it it's weird. Um, I've read things online. I don't know the truth about it. Um, I've read things online that are saying if a patient has a respiratory arrest or they stop breathing and they haven't tested them and they ended up passing away, that uh, doctors have the power to say, oh, this could be from the coronavirus, so we'll sign that on the death certificate. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know how true that is. I hope it's not true because that's just kind of inflating the numbers. Right. At that point, you're kind of getting into the the uh, the conspiracy theories about this, which, my lord, there's plenty. Yeah, it's difficult not to indulge in the conspiracy theories. And I think and sometimes it is somewhat good to indulge them with um, heavy grains of salt, I guess. But... Yeah, it's an interesting thing, the testing especially. I, I mean, DeWine actually this weekend opened up. He expanded the uh, what would count as a positive case to it didn't have to be a, a confirmed test. Yeah, and at that point, you're. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. That's like diagnosing the flu without um, doing a test. Um, I right. will be interested to see how the flu season numbers look this year compared to the coronavirus numbers. Um, well, it is probably a relatively mild flu season this year, but and and so far from what I've seen, coronavirus has not surpassed flu numbers for the last year. Usually, uh, I know the there's numbers, a huge season, but yeah, their uh, flu numbers are uh, usually about a year or two behind, just because it's mm -hmm. such a big disease. But we'll see. And the other thing that's interesting is in probably other coronaviruses have been counted as flu cases or flu fatalities. Yeah. I would assume. Absolutely. I have, yeah. <laughs> the great thing about this coronavirus is it's like the symptom list is about everything and anything you could think of. That That's the, that's the kind of the annoying part is you think of viral respiratory infections. The symptoms are the same for just about every single one of them. Mm -hmm. So it makes it hard as a healthcare worker to see somebody. Okay, they've been coughing. Okay, they have uh, 
a little bit of a fever. Yeah, they're a little bit short of breath. They don't really look sick, but they just don't feel well. Mm-hmm. Well, this could be this could be a number of different things. Actually, the hospital when this first started, we were before we would test somebody before the coronavirus. This is when the tests weren't really readily available in Ohio mm-hmm. yet, except for the bigger cities, Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, etc. Right. Before we would actually test somebody, uh, just to preface this, in the beginning of this, the Ohio Department of Health was giving out so many tests per day to certain hospitals. So in Blanchard Valley, we could test eight people a day when this first started. Now we kind of have a, a lot more free reign than that. It's more, more at an unlimited number. But uh, when this first started, we were only allowing to test eight people. So we were doing respiratory pathogens panels on these patients, which is our respiratory pathogens panel tests for a lot of respiratory infections. There's like 17 of them, I think. And lo and behold, a lot of these patients that we were testing, they would come back with something other than the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was the common cold, truthfully. But Which, it is a coronavirus, correct? I don't know that 100%. I know the coronaviruses in general, they are very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of them. I think the flu actually might be a coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that, but Okay, so uh, and these tests are they? They're using uh, PCR amplification. Do you know that? Uh, yeah, they're using the PCR, so it has the liquid in it, and it breaks down the uh, the RNA. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting thing. You'd have to. Well, you what you're not getting, I guess, with that when you amplify it is like how large of a population i guess of virus someone actually has or i don't know if that even really matters but i'm not sure i know initially they said that um are you talking about like the viral load of somebody yeah 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 uh at that point it's it's hard to really say um there's been talks about uh, maybe these people are testing negative because their viral load isn't high enough. Like, we don't know what the threshold is for the viral load that tests positive for the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I know for the flu, it's pretty low. You don't even have to do a PC. You can just do an antigen test for the flu, and it'll come back positive. Really? Uh, yeah. That's usually the majority of the time what we do during the flu season, because the results take 15 minutes to a half an hour for, for an a flu test. For a flu antigen test, yeah. Wow. Huh. I'm sure at some point we'll get to that point with the coronavirus, but there has to be more testing to see what kind of viral load somebody needs to have before they can test positive. Yeah, it's just, again, going back to it's just so novel, I guess. that Yeah, it's just so new. That's the worst part about it. But, no, I, I think we got to get ourselves back open again. I think we, we're really running the risk of doing more damage being closed up than... Um, then open and I open yeah. yeah and even if it's something where um, it's open to gradual for restaurants for example they have a mac- maximum occupancy and they leave it at that once we hit X number of people then we're not allowing anybody else in mm-hmm. um, or maybe they open it up to people and tell the people that are vulnerable and at risk to continue to stay at home and continue the shelter at place until the numbers right. start to dwindle out a little bit more because um, I heard a theory about uh, they should let people who aren't at risk, so younger people, you and I for example, come back into the world and if we catch the disease we'll build up our immunity to it and then it'll mm-hmm. just kind of disappear. But. Uh, I'm sure this is something, like all coronaviruses, it's going to mutate at some point or another. Right. And uh, who knows? Basically, that's the biggest thing. It's just, like you said, it's so novel. It's so new. We just don't know. Right. That I kind of was a fan of that theory to begin with, I guess, or at least just that let the at-risk people stay at home other people move about but i guess it it could place a burden on your healthcare system that was kind of the of what or kind of the idea that you wanted to avoid placing that extra burden on your health care system um i just i don't know and a lot of plate like besides the major cities i i have a hard time 
Thinking There's not that, a lot of places that are really overwhelmed, honestly. Right. Even in New York, if you think of, I'm speaking from an emergency room perspective because that's my area of expertise, so to say. Um, they're saying in New York, our ER census is down per day, but we're seeing so many of these sicker coronavirus patients that right. it's, that's what's overburdening. It's not a volume issue. It's an acuity or sickness issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that makes sense especially when everybody else is shut down. It's just... Yeah. And in a yeah. place like New York where you can never have a hospital big enough to account for something like this, they're going to get overwhelmed because their population mm-hmm. is just so high. I don't know what the population in New York is. I know it's a couple million in New York City alone, I'm speaking. Right. If anything happens there, I'm sure their flu season's awful there too. Right. But Yeah, so this is the problem, I think, with crowding even if you look at how this thing started it came from well you could argue that but um it came from overcrowding of animals really so yeah i don't know i i think we're gonna have to kind of figure out better ways of uh gathering people and gathering um animals for food consumption yeah i agree I know if I lived in New York, I'd be getting the hell out of there once this is all over with. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people took off pretty early on. But, yeah. I think a lot of people leave New York for the summers anyways, at least the people that have money in New York, I think. Yeah. So, And that's another unfortunate thing with this is people from lower incomes are getting hit much, much harder. Just probably due to housing conditions or they probably have as well um higher odds of having underlying uh health conditions yeah yeah this is it's just not a good scenario for anybody unfortunately um but i do on a lighter hope i think the end is the end is near or the i will there's a light at the end of the tunnel i will mark those words I don't know. I want to be optimistic. I look at the numbers and say, hey, like, we probably already are kind of there. We're probably in some places peaking. But in other places, holding everything back, it's like, it's almost like prolonging the inevitable to a degree. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the coronavirus truly does come and go in seasons, the longer we shelter in place, the more... uh the more we're going to see uh, it go away just because mm-hmm. it can't survive anymore. Yeah. Basically, if that kind of makes sense. Well, that would be great if the if the, the temperature thing is kind of what you're talking about. Where Yeah, basically. Yeah. That would be amazing for us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't know. If you look at places, I'm sure like Africa doesn't have the testing capabilities that a lot of mm-hmm. – uh, a lot of uh, well, Western company companies countries do. But, Africa uh, has a locust plague right now. Really? Yep. <laughs> Which is pretty wild. So they're talking about kind of food shortages there, and I think they also have had a couple more severe Ebola outbreaks as well. Talk about a scary disease. That's Ebola is a scary one. Yeah, that you're bleeding out of everywhere, aren't you? Yeah, that's uh, that's not a fun one there. If that was going around like the coronavirus was, I think I'd be locking that, myself in the that would be yeah basement for a couple of years. It's a it's an interesting thing. A lot of the antivirals that um, have applications for Ebola are being tested out for this COVID. Really? I've heard some actually pretty good things about the chloroquine and Zithromax. Um, that's the Z the Z pack. Z pack and chloroquine's the antiviral that's used to treat yeah. malaria. Yeah. I have too. And then I've heard this blood transfusion is picking up steam, maybe. Like I've heard like plasma or plasma, yeah. Plas- something with plasma. I don't I haven't read too far into I it, think but I've heard about the it. The idea is you take uh, someone that's recovered and has the antibodies uh, and do you do a plasma transfusion. Huh. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a cool concept. <laughs> There's some very brilliant people out there that come up with some things like that. 
Um, Apparently, that was one of the uh, major treatments during the Spanish influenza 1918. Interesting. I think the most intuitive thing I've thunk of was uh, when I'm wearing my face mask all day to prevent my ears from falling off my head. I put a paper clip around it. Oh, there you go. That works. It works. Nice. Yeah, that would have to get old wearing the masks. Oh, yeah. It's it's not fun. But it is what it is. I'd rather be safe than have a little bit of a sore ear in the morning. Absolutely. But again, I keep saying, yeah, no, we got to get back out there because there's so much harm being caused by this shutdown right now. It's It's kind of nasty to look at. Yeah, I mean, the government can only bail us out for so long. Well, that's, yeah, the financial burden. But then even just the the burden to people, I I think it'd have to be a safe bet to say suicides have gone up. I know domestic violence has gone up considerably. Oh, yeah. A lot of mental health issues, a lot of uh, drug overdoses are Mm -hmm. starting to ramp up. So... Yeah, it's not a not a good thing to have people in their homes for an extended be- period of time. I think we no people lose people it. get bored very quickly when they can't go outside and do things. Right, and I the other thing that this has done, I think it's eroded our confidence in institutions quite a bit. Yeah, um, I went to the store. Uh, this was probably right when they were right when the talk of all this stay at home stuff was starting to kind of buzz around mm-hmm. and I happened to be buying ammo for my handgun mm-hmm. not as a disaster preparation but just as a, I needed ammo for my handgun and I was talking to the guy and he's a, and just that morning alone they had sell sold 15 guns I think yeah which kind of, I was kind of reflecting on that when I was driving home. I was like, people really don't trust the government that much. No, that's wild. I mean, any any sort of uh, disaster is great for gun sales. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a few people that will come out of this winning. Uh, right. Well, I think gun manufacturers might be one of them. Yeah, and don't kid yourself. Uh, some people in the institutions will probably come out of this winning as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's the problem with things like this is any any of uh, these tragedies or disasters it it opens up a basically a power grab to some people it does um, when people are at their weakest that's when uh, things can get exploited basically uh, I was talking to somebody they said that some of these bigger institutions are going to try and say that they're bleeding as long as they can because they're getting right. they're getting handouts they're getting they're getting what they want well if we if we want to talk finance i mean this the whole system is it's so shoddy right now i mean there's the amount of money that they just rolled out it's like monopoly money basically it's just numbers on a let well not even a real ledger it's just numbers in somebody's on some computer at some place it's just everything's kind of untethered from any tangible assets. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's kind of like, where is this money coming from? Well, because um, <laughs> <laughs> they shoveled out a lot of money. Like it's like you said, it, there has no tangible asset tied to it. Right. Uh, it's, it's just $2.3 trillion that got printed out by the Federal Reserve and – <laughs> the crazy thing is, is, it's like the U.S. dollar is not really even being eroded by this because everybody else's currency is has lost value as well. Yeah, it, yeah. Thankfully, it's not a uh, not just a U.S. disease. It uh, it struck everywhere. So right. the whole world but is bleeding right now. The world the world was already in financial trouble. I think I, there were so many places that had negative interest rates. Um. We cut down to zero, and then really? which is insane. That's never never happened in the U.S. Um, it it'll be an interesting thing, but yeah, I I think there's a lot of people that will probably make a lot of money out of this. Yeah, uh, I read a quote. This is a little bit ago. It said, uh, 
real entrepreneurs will make more money than they have ever made during this time. Absolutely. They'll, they'll find a way. Yeah. Yeah. The sad thing is I just I, – I hope we don't see – I hope this isn't a precedent for future um, response to so or to disasters. That's what I hope. Yeah, we kind of we got to stay level headed and we got to stay just reduce the panic. And I think a lot of it was started pretty early. People started freaking out, like like the toilet paper getting bought off the shelves and that sort of thing. Um, a lot of that was just put out by these news outlets that just Mm -hmm. scared the crap out of people Mm -hmm. i mean that's uh and people will believe whatever they read and whatever convinces them and whatever makes them feel safe basically so right you gotta really going forward focus on what the real numbers look like and what the real risk is in your environment like if i lived in new york i'd be freaking out a little bit i think i wouldn't be getting out of my house as much Mm -hmm. not saying that i'm out running around right now. I haven't done anything outside of my house except go to work. So basically, just be careful of what you find your information from, and just think. Basically, I mean that's just the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Just think. I yeah, I completely agree. And I'll add just to keep. Well, I think you were headed in that direction, but just to keep a level head while you're thinking. There was so much hysteria and panic. It was just insane. And it was, like you said, in some places, yeah, sure, it may have been warranted, but the majority of it was not at all. No, not at all. Um, but it is, it is interesting to see how fragile um, our society really can be if you apply just a little bit of pressure, pressure to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, I'd, I'd hate to see something. I mean, not saying that this isn't bad in its own way but in the grand scheme of things there's just a touch under two million confirmed cases and there's seven billion people in the world i mean it, this is not that bad no it's in its own sense it's not even well i i'd have to run the numbers again but it, it wasn't even a tenth of a percent of world population yeah that's that's great when you put it in that perspective that's crazy that's absolutely crazy it is for to have completely wrecked the world economy to have freaked out about everyone i i just don't understand it imagine if a real bad like war broke out between big nations well the the thing that i keep looking back to this like at the time i i had been learning about world war one as well or like right kind of concurrently with this breaking out. And I just think it's crazy if you look at what happened in World War One, like the actual war itself, and then the tail end of it, you get hit by Spanish flu. It was an absolutely insane amount of lives lost. Yeah, and then couple that with 11 years later, the stock market crashes, or less than right. that. Uh, exactly 11 years later, the stock market crashed in 1929, and the depression starts. Well... That's the scary thing about a depression is depressions generally lead to war. So yeah. I hope we don't tank too bad. But, hey, we have so much funny mo- funny money floating in that yeah. I, I'm looking at <laughs> the stock market. And we're, we've already recovered about half the way now. I think we could have another big crash eventually. But I don't know. It's like, yeah, the Dow was, what, up just about 550 today or was a little bit more than that? Yeah, I think that's that's right. Yeah, it's it's wild over really no no change in information. Yeah, it's talk about a wild run there at stock market. Oh my lord. Yeah, this I mean it's just been crazy. It's been got historic it. lows and historic highs. I got my uh, first quarter statement in the mail yesterday. I didn't even look at it. I threw it in the trash. Right. I didn't want yeah, to. Yeah, probably much. wise. Second quarter one, I'll take a peek at, but... Yeah. No, you're better off just to try to play the long game in stocks, I think, unless you're... Unless you're towards retirement, yeah. Yeah. Just let it, let it ride out there. I don't need that money right now. Mm-hmm. 
But you, I'll ask you if you don't want to get into it, whatever. But what's your favorite conspiracy theory so far that you've heard? Uh, for the coronavirus. Yeah. I like the 5G one. Really. 5G tower one. That one's pretty <laughs> interesting. I also heard one that was uh, since this virus is killing off older people, and a majority of older people tend to vote Republican. Mm. This virus was created by the Democrats to give them a chance in the election because they're killing off older people. That's interesting. That I, haven't, a, I haven't heard that one, actually. That was a good one. That probably backfire. There's actually there's interesting studies done that um, disease tends to make people much more conservative, even in how they vote. Really? Yeah, even so much as they put like hand sanitizer near... Uh, voting booths and stuff and it changed statistically it was enough to change um voting results wow and huh. studies yeah that's an interesting thing although i wouldn't necessarily say that trump is a conservative choice during this but no i don't think there's anybody that could <laughs> take a conservative side do you think that this is going to impact the election well in some ways it already has impacted the election as far as debates and rallies and stuff but yeah do i think they're gonna try to like move the election or i no i don't think so i really hope not um i think i kind of don't even hope that they they push for this uh absentee ballot thing i hope that that that's not really a thing either but i that would i could definitely see that happening yeah. What are your thoughts? I don't. I don't think it. By the time November rolls around, I think this will be just about licked. I mean, I'm looking at Italy's numbers right now. Italy was the talk of the town for a long time, and they're they're on a downward slope now. Mm-hmm. So everybody, it like I said, by the time May's coming around, this will be people are going to be getting sick of it. First of all, yeah. It's going to be starting to fizzle its way out, I do believe. I think it's just surged late. I mean, that's what it was. Right. I think people are already almost to the point of starting to get a little apathetic about it, but. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because all this time they said, oh, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. In a lot of places, yeah, and objectively, it's gotten bad for them. Um, but in a lot more more places than not, it hasn't gotten that bad. Right. And like you said earlier, it's those big cities. It's New York, Chicago's, Columbus, Detroit, Louisiana, L.A., San Diego. Mm-hmm. To, to me, that always just seemed like common sense. And I think to a lot of other people, too, that that was just common sense. Again, I get I get a governor not wanting to take the risk with it, but I mean... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they were saying in Finley, be prepared to see 500 new cases a day Mm -hmm. this last weekend. And uh, I think we've gotten one positive case in the last five days. We're up to 20 now (laughs) with one death, so there's 19 confirmed. So, and actually, and there should be starting to see a lot more people with recovered numbers as well. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that. Most of the list I've seen don't actually show recovered. It it takes a long time for them to say you're officially recovered. You have to have two negative tests. And, really? Uh, most places, most hospitals don't have an in-house test. They got to get sent somewhere, so that takes time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just one of those things that are just yeah. Like, it, it's going to take a long time for to see the recovered numbers. That's an interesting thing with the numbers is how far they lag. Oh, yeah, they lag behind. Um, I think they lag behind in a bad way because you think the numbers, the cases that we're seeing new per day are probably people that have been tested two or three days behind or even like a week behind in some places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The end is nigh. I I have been saying that for the last week. Cole says it here. I, I hope so, man. I really hope so. Yeah, I mean, it... I think we'll see a gradual upkick when we start to reopen the economy. Uh-huh. It's, just, it's just naturally going to happen. Right. But 
as the weather warms up, I'm confident, and I'm hoping and praying that this will be this will be over with. I hope everything goes back to normal as well. I don't know if it if it will completely though. It's gonna take a while. This is gonna be this is gonna be the talk for a while. I mean, it's mm-hmm. nothing else going on. So what else does everybody have to talk about? <laughs> That's literally all people have talked about for the last. I mean, how long has this been going on? Almost two months now. First confirmed case in the U.S. was January twenty second. So we okay. are just about three months in. Okay, that's uh, it's insane. Like that's all I've heard about recently. Yeah, it's exhausting. And and everybody's a conspiracy theorist now. It was see, it was actually fun for me to like talk about conspiracy theories, like when people didn't know them. But now that like every now single person, knowledge, it's like oh my lord. Yeah, it's like, well, do you actually believe that? Like it's fun to play with most of them, and and some of them are, I would say relatively plausible but still i don't know yeah it's not as much fun when everybody knows them yeah they uh what makes a good conspiracy theory is the fact that it can't be plausible that's Mm -hmm. what because that makes you start thinking you're like ooh, that actually that could be a real deal well and there i mean there's always so many strange uh coincidences if that if that's the word for them uh yeah you know you have a a bioweapons research um, lab in, in Wuhan. That's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it would not – that wouldn't surprise me at all if it leaked out of there. I know the U.S. used to send anthrax and stuff around in, in the mail, just, <laughs> just in the mail, send it to labs. They thought it was inactive, but sometimes it wouldn't be. Oh man, um, I think China's kind of skewed their numbers a little bit, but uh, yeah, big time. There's weird stuff coming out of there. Like I don't. There's this. There was this weird number about like cell phone user droppage by like 20 million or something. Jeez. I don't know where that data would even. Like I don't know who would get that data or why they would publish it. Or what it would even mean, but yeah, yeah. there's interesting things. Hmm. Or they'll even they'll say like, yeah, like there's there's smoke and smog from all the crematoriums over there and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. know, but if it was that bad, would be we'd be seeing it getting reflected everywhere. So maybe. That's true. Yeah. All I can say is this: this has been very convenient for them in some ways. With when you look at how it completely shut down uh, all the protesting that was going on over there, yeah, that is true. China is China is a very interesting country. If you sort of sit back and just look at it, the things that go on over there, the the hush hush Russia too. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of skeptic on Russia's numbers as well. They got like twenty thousand, like, and it's their proximity kind of the China mm-hmm. where it got real bad. I know they probably don't let a lot of travel in and out of that place, but. Yeah, there's there's something interesting about those countries too. It's like they are able to operate in some ways more efficiently just because they kind of don't care about many civil liberties at all. Yeah. I want to know if North Korea still has zero cases. Oh, really? They're saying that. Well, the, uh, yeah. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe it, obviously not probably zero, but if they don't let really anybody in or out i mean i guess it's possible they would have very low numbers we need dennis rodman to go figure it out that's right they're probably dying from all kind of other, <laughs> other stuff yeah. Now, yeah like a couple of years ago some soldier like ran across the like dmz in the south korea and he was all like he had a bunch of weird medical problems going on with him yeah lord have mercy I don't know. It's hard to say because then it's also like how much of this is propaganda against those countries. But uh, who knows? That that's out of my pay grade, <laughs> and I'm glad it is. Right, and in a lot of ways, I think probably the U.S. and Russia and some of these other 
countries. I, I don't know if I'd throw China in there, but in in some characteristics, yeah, China too. I, I don't think they're act, that we're actually that uh, different. I think that the U.S. just like kind of like tries to hide their um, their aggressions <laughs> against civil liberties, I guess, more than you know China or Russia. It's kind of out in the open. Yeah. I don't know. I just that's my my best answer is I don't know. Right. That's uh, I don't even know what to say about that. that those places just kind of scare me in general, though. With all the uh, all the the hush hush and the cover up, that probably even gets done in the U.S. too. Mm-hmm. Like, what actually is going on out there? And do I really do I really even want to know? Probably probably not. Probably not. Will I ever find out? Probably not. Because in all honesty, it hopefully it'll never affect your daily life. But it's always that thing of you kind of have to be vigilant just in case. Yeah, just keep it in the back of the head. Let let me know it's there every now and then. And uh, I can think about it, reflect upon it, and then put it back in the back of my head and then just go about my day. Yeah, I just I think we might have some interesting times ahead of us though. I think I don't know. Some of these some of these large companies that operate in the tech sphere and are very intertwined intertwined with uh, data. I think there could be some interesting things coming out of them relatively soon. Yeah, I just I do agree. I don't know. There, there's certain programs that are kind of being you talk about China that are kind of being rolled out in China. Some of the facial recognition uh, programs, some of the so-called social score, if that's actually a true thing over there. But that's a scary idea. Yeah, but just, it's like, oh, man, a social score. Lord have mercy. It's like we're we're already being surveilled though. Like if you have a if you have a phone, I don't know if you saw, but the phone company, well, Google and some of the phone companies released all their location data on everybody to help combat this coronavirus thing. So they were tracking how far people were traveling. That's and scary. They just released it. That's scary. And that um, thing is, has such accuracy. Oh, yeah. Every time I get in my car, my phone tells me 15 minutes to the hospital. Right. Or, or where I'm going. It's like, can you not, like, track me? <laughs> like, Right. So I don't the, – the opportunities that this technology can allow us are so great. The problem is, is you have to place your trust in, like – something else like you you kind of lose your own ability to navigate some things absolutely Absolutely. even just these these push algorithms i know i mean we kind of talked about social media last time but some of these algorithms that are just pushing what you need to watch what to look at like they're even getting kind of wild even like there's is not hardly any news outlets out there that are putting forward the good news of the coronavirus. No. They're like, hey, numbers are going down. In these states, the curve is flattened. It, they're trying to hold that off as long as they can. They're trying to push for it because it's how they make money is by fear. Exactly. Um, like you said, these push algorithms, they're pushing what they want you to see. If you go on YouTube right now, there's a whole banner section that shows coronavirus news and updates. And it's mm-hmm. one of these – I just watched this video as we were talking. I kind of listened to it in the background. It says China is seeing a surge in coronavirus cases, mm-hmm. a research, research. Entire mm-hmm. video, the dude was screaming into the microphone. First of all, I hardly <laughs> listened to it. And the second thing is he never said any statistics. So right. Where is he getting this data from? Who knows? Well, that's – even if they do list statistics – the way they say it is so sensationalized. It'll be like, coronavirus is sore. 200 people are infected in the whole state. Like, coronavirus is sore by 200. Hurry up and lock down. I don't know. It's just, it's unfortunate. And it's it's really unfortunate, too, because 
nobody's gonna believe like anything really and like <laughs> i don't know i think we're almost to the point right now where a lot of people like they literally don't they don't believe much of what they see or it's not even yeah. that that there isn't truth out there but there's so much bad news and sensationalism that the truth just gets like muddled in with it and you're just like well whatever like it's it's almost too difficult to discern some of these things it is it really 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 is that's why i i look at about two or three websites to give you my information i look at the world health organization the cdc and the ohio department of health Mm -hmm. that's where i gather my information from that's how i kind of judge how things are looking and i go from there man i just i take it as I take it as it comes. I don't listen to that. Oh my gosh! I, I've deleted um, two social. I've deleted Twitter and I've mm-hmm. got rid of Instagram while this is going on. Mm-hmm. Just because I like, I can't. I just can't do it. <laughs> just can't do it. They're pushing all this negative stuff. Um, everybody out there, you see all these retweets from. Oh, I'm a doctor in New Jersey, and this is just terrible. The numbers right. aren't real. People are dying every day. Blah 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 blah. And it's like, well, I don't think they're dying every day. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, they may be dying more than usual, but yeah, it's not like we're in World War Two right now, where no, an entire religion's getting pushed into a gas chamber. People are going <laughs> off to maybe maybe in, in China, those uh, Muslims in concentration camps might not. They might have gotten pretty sick. They might be missed on the next census. We don't know, but <laughs> not really funny joke, but kind of um, funny because it might be true. Right? No. Yeah, I agree with you. It's unfortunate that there's so much kind of profiteering off of this, and but hey, I don't know. And the World Health Organization might be a little sus too. So. <laughs> Who isn't sus in these days, man? <laughs> I don't. It's just weird when you like look into those places, like where, like I've never thought to look into them, but like where they get their funding from and stuff is kind of interesting, or just yeah. how like a few people can basically like buy out the whole vaccine industry. I don't know. It's not going to drop names, Bill Gates, but uh, I was just about to say Bill Gates is not <laughs> suspect shit nowadays, man. <laughs> Yeah. Just conveniently I, stepping down from Microsoft. Oh, there's a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I love I love how uh, so many so many CEOs uh, conveniently step down. So many senators, um, their their advisors uh, just decided to sell all their stocks out and invest them into <laughs> into pharmaceutical companies and and like Zoom or Skype or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I gotta actually get off here. All thanks right. For, thanks for having me on the talk. Yeah. We had thanks for coming on. This will um, be pretty informative, I think. So. Like I said, people, the end is soon. I got my inside scoop from Bill Gates. He texted me during this podcast. Hope, Hope from Cole Smith. Hope is the message. There we go. All right. All right thanks for joining. I will talk to you later. Have a good week. Yep, you too. Bye.